Well, welcome to the new year. This is going to be a wonderful year 2019 is. And you're starting it off right here with the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. My friends, today is the day. The moment is now. The change begins. Why? Because you are here on the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast where we encourage you to live your passion. You get one chance, one shot at this life. And you can either be the person that says, I wish I had, or you can be the person that says, I am so glad I did. So join us as we dive in, we figure it out, we walk this walk together so that we can live our passion. Today's episode is brought to you by True Garden. True Garden is a leading provider of seedlings and supplies for the Tower Garden and uh, tower farm systems if you have not looked at these before you really need to check them out you can go to their website at www.truegarden.com and uh, really take a look at their system and their setups if you want to grow your own food at home or you want to start a small farm or a large farm this really is the way to go it is very environmentally friendly there's a huge reduction in water usage Uh, You can do this with no pesticides, no herbicides. It's all a very organic um, growing medium. And it's just, it's an absolutely amazing system. If you are not familiar with the tower farm systems and the tower garden systems, go to truegarden.com and check it out. Also know they ship seedlings all over the country. So if you have a tower farm and you want seedlings for it, True Garden is your source. They ship all over the country fresh seedlings. You can drop them into your towers, and within just as as little as a few days, but really usually in a couple weeks, you've got full-grown plants that are ready to harvest or trim from. And you're talking kale, spinach, celery, dill, basil, you name it, you can get it there. So check it out, truegarden.com. Well, hello and welcome to the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. I am your host, Hal Califf, and today uh, we have a we have a special guest from uh, over the pond. Really, in in, in uh, you're in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, right now, if I if I'm not mistaken, Gurgen. Exactly. And uh, I welcome to the show. And Thank just you. take a moment here and tell us um, who you are. You you made a, a major life change uh, recently, but within the last few years. That's um, been a, a big change, a change that I think a lot of people in the U.S. have a harder, or have a hard time making because we, we tend to get so tied to things here. But introduce us to you and, and what you're doing, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Hal. I, I, it was like this. I, I decided to quit my job as a radio host at Swedish Radio with good salary, paid vacations, and sick days. So I wanted to leave the working world to explore what I call the actual world. So I, I used to live uh, what I call, you guys call it the American dream, but we have the Swedish dream. So I, I lived the Swedish dream. And then a um, couple of events happened. Me and my former fiance, we went separate ways. We, after being together for uh, almost 13 years, and um, that was very hard for me because I lost my identity and I had to put down my, my dog. I loved him so much. I, I still see him in my dreams or I think maybe three events because my job as a radio host, it, it really bored me to death and I, I didn't know what to do. I, lo- I loved the job, but I didn't love 
like going to the same place, seeing the same people, water cooler talk, like uh, bigger and better houses, faster cars, trendier clothes, fancy technology and such. So I, I, all of these events forced me to question life. So I questioned my lifestyle. I questioned my, my, my mind, my goals, and even my home. So I, what I could see was that uh, how the stuff in my life was making me less feel less than happy with my circumstances. So I, I thought like society is sick and uh, I, I became sick in a sick society. And I heard this guy he told me that that must mean that you're healthy. So being sick in a sick society is healthy. So I decided to simplify and I've heard about um, the podcast, The Minimalists. And I, it was uh, like for, for years, I've been thinking for myself, like materialism for, for who, what, why am I do doing this? Why am I chasing new things? And why am I like, my mind is possessed with buying new stuff. And, and I was not extreme. I would say I was uh, a, a standard um, Swede in that way. So I, I don't, I, I didn't have a large house or anything. I was just standard. Uh, so I got rid of 95% of my stuff and possessions and I sold it, uh, donated it. And I bought an RV over the phone. I've never seen it. And this is, uh, was all, this is uh, like three years ago now, but f from today, my job is like to create podcasts for myself and people I believe in. That's very important that, that I believe in like everything in my schedule should be things I believe in. And this uh, interview is something I believe in because what you're doing is awesome. I, I, I hope this will be a nice episode because trying to get the word out about minimalism, it's, it's, it's not that hard because people like the message, but it's hard like when, when it comes to not buying stuff and not upgrading to the latest upgrade update and such. So it means like how to, uh, see the possibilities outside of this materialistic uh, society that we have. And that's close to impossible sometimes. I, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like exercise or dieting, right? It's always easy to talk yep. about, you know, oh, I, I would really love to, to get in shape and exercise, or I'd really like to eat right, you know, but then when it comes down to it, it's like, well, do I want the salad or do I want the pizza? Uh, I'm going to go with the pizza today. <laughs> I'll do get the salad tomorrow, you know, and, you're right. And minimalism is a lot like that. It's, you know, it's easy to say, you know, I, I don't need all this stuff, but when it comes down to it, you, you still own it. You're still going to go buy the new iPhone when it comes out and, yeah. you know, so interesting. So now you are, you bought an RV. You, uh, I, I've seen some videos. You were in uh, Italy. Uh, you've traversed uh, quite a bit of, of Europe. Um, how has it how has it been over there? What has your experience been? Is is RVing a big thing over there? Is it very common? It's a big thing in uh, Germany. It's uh, it's a big thing in Sweden as well, in uh, the Netherlands, France. But uh, when it comes to like full time RVing, that's something else because that means that you're poor, that you're mm. you don't have any home or yeah, you're forced to to live like that, and I'm trying to tell people that I, I chose chose this, and I, I used to have a beautiful apartment, uh, beautiful car. I used to have everything, and uh, that did not bring any joy 
didn't come with any value to to my life. I was more or less George Costanza. And so I wanted something else. And this makes me happy because life is about experiences. This is not about material uh, things. That's bullshit. So yeah. um, I'm trying to tell him that I, I, I fast for, forwarded my life t- 10 or 15 years uh, and tried to see who I, who I was going to be. And that was not someone I liked. So, yeah, but this is my journey. You know, I, I, I reached out for help and I started going to therapy and I, I realized that I, I knew that it, it would work out for me if I just choose another life. And so, so I know, I I don't know what I want, but I, I know what I don't want. So, and... Uh, yeah, the only thing I know that I won't say in my deathbed is that I, I wish I spent more time at the office, and I wish I, like, I wish I could pay my debt on house loans and car payments and credit cards. That's not what I want to say. I want to say that I was a good human being. I treated animals good. I stood up for people. I stood up for myself. I stood up for for uh, the truth according to me. You have your own truth, but I I will stand up. And, um, yeah, just trying to meet people and see who they are, experience cultures and experience, like, see Europe. I, I love Europe so much. I, I try not to, it's been like a year now. Uh, I have not, I'm boycotting airplane traffic now. So Europe is beautiful. We have so many languages, so many people. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's. Europe is beautiful. You should come and visit. You know, I, I, we actually, my wife and I have talked about it multiple times. We um, we hosted a foreign exchange student from um, Italy uh, a couple oh. of years ago. We now consider her, you know, a, a daughter of ours. I mean, she was a, a wonderful person. We still talk to her uh, to this day. Remember, we had a we did a FaceTime phone call with her maybe uh, three weeks ago or so, and um, it was just it was just like our daughter was off, you know, away at college. We really bonded with her and. Um, she is from, uh, Northern Italy and we, we keep talking about like, we need to, we need to make our way, uh, over to Europe for sure. There's definitely some areas that I would love to see You know, we talked a little bit earlier. My father is from, from Lebanon. So a little farther East there. Um, but then also, you know, my mom's side of the family, uh, we have, uh, records back from the, oh, I think it was the late 1800s where my mother's family came from, um, Scotland. So, you know, there's definitely mm. some areas of Europe we would love to to go see and travel and, and experience. We'd love our kids to do the same, but um you know, it's uh it's it's not it's not a uh it's not an inexpensive quest, uh but but we sure would love to do that at some point it is on our list. And right now we're doing very similarly to what you're doing in Europe, that's what we're doing in the US, which is you know, we have such a uh, I mean our country is huge. I know that in perspective, it's interesting because when you're traveling across Europe, you're traveling from country to country, even though that they're mostly under one umbrella with the European Union. And so the borders are, are probably closer to our state borders now uh, versus crossing, you know, um, country borders. Uh, you know, we, we have so much of America that we haven't experienced yet. So we're, you know, we're doing the same. We, you know, we have everything from, you know, oceans to, to mountains and we... Uh, we're definitely wanting to cross as much of it as possible too. We might even venture our way into Canada, although I don't know if I, 
I don't know which part of Canada we'd venture into first, but <laughs> I'm sure Canada's on the list somewhere. <laughs> nice. It's a beautiful way of like it's education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it is because if, when you experience other cultures and other, I don't know if uh, your culture has huge if it have differences from state to state in any way. Absolutely. I'm sure that you have some differences, but it's it's a beautiful way of it's, it's school. It's school. It, well, it is, and I think that's one of the things my wife has done good job of documenting uh, through our travels. Is we keep she keeps little notes of, of interesting things that we find in different states. So far, we found um, the most the friendliest state in the U.S. Uh, you know, my apologies to anyone who's from another state who thinks they're the friendliest state, but uh, Virginia has by far been the friendliest state we've been to so far. <clears throat> really? Yep. And what's really interesting is when you go north of Virginia and head to Pennsylvania. Uh, we found that Pennsylvania had the most miserable, uh, like, um, customer service experience. Like, it seemed like nobody wanted to be at their job. Everybody was very unhappy. Um, and it doesn't it didn't matter where you went. Like, if you went into a, a car dealership, a grocery store, it didn't matter. Like, they were people just seemed very sad and miserable that they were at work that day. And I don't know what it was, but it was Pennsylvania was the only state we experienced that in. So it was just. You find weird, and I think that's cultural in the U.S. because uh, it's it's almost like there's different work ethics in different states. Um, the southern states are very hospitable and very friendly, and there tends to be a lot more people doing very manual labor down there, it seems. Um, and then some of the northern states were... The customer service wasn't as friendly, and I just I don't know if I don't know if it's the environment or what, but people just didn't seem very happy in those areas. So, yeah, strange. I know you went to Florida. You've been to Florida, you said. Um, yep. What was Florida like for you? Well, I was there for I think I was there for ten or fourteen days or so. I was on a road trip. It was a couple of years ago, but I was not familiar with the concept slow travel. So that was the like I traveled like I used to do going away for uh, one or two weeks or so, or three maybe, and then head back to work. So um, I, I can honestly say that I've been to Florida, but I've never been in Florida. So I, I don't, maybe how you experienced this as well when you, now when you live on wheels that, because one important lesson I've learned is, and I've heard the same thing from other full-time RVers that, I learned to slow down my travels and slow mm-hmm. travel is a state of mind. It's, it depends entirely on the choices you make and how you decide to enjoy your time. So no quick glimpse. It's just slow travel. It's a mentality and I don't want to selfie in front of a landmark. I want to meet people. I want to hear their stories, make some friends and yeah, long, but in the same time, long-term travel can be tough because after a couple of months on the road, it, becomes work so mm-hmm. you're no longer in that honeymoon phase of excitement you're just simply exhausted sometimes you just um, but in the same time you you get a chance to enjoy the local community and it's just, it's a privilege it's, it's something beautiful so but going to a place as i said like 12 or 14 days in florida and still i feel like i've never been in florida I, I can understand that. I mean, when when we would just vacation to California from Arizona, it was much like that. You go for a few days and you go sit in one spot or see a couple of landmarks and then you go home. But yeah, it was just time that passed. Now with our travels, we do tend to spend more time looking for um, 
not so much the tourist spots, but really looking for the the people and and getting to know the area. We we actually spent quite a bit of time this year in Pennsylvania. We also spent two months in Florida, and that was interesting because we went to different areas. We were staying within Florida, but we, every two weeks we would move to a new area, and then we would just explore that area, the beaches, the the sites, the tourist sites, of course. But then also, um, you know, you don't go out every single day. So some days you just spend the day around the RV park or in your campground and you meet people. And that's one of the neat things for us. And, and I, I'm, I know that you're experiencing this as you traveled across Europe and that you, you just meet people along the way. And that yeah. to me gives you greater insight into, I, I would say into life, you know, meeting people from different backgrounds, from different places. When we, when we spent our two months in Florida, we met people from every single state in the union. Um, and, uh, it was just, it was eye-opening, you know. I think mm. you were in radio, so, you know, media has a, a huge reach. And in the U.S., there's always a big debate, you know, without getting into politics or anything, there's always this big debate on, you know, is the media biased to this side or that side? And the truth is, the media is biased to where the money is, right? Whatever yep. brings in the ratings is what they're going to talk about. And so you hear in the U.S. that there's this huge division between people, that there's racial division, that there's cultural division, and as we traveled, we found it to be the opposite. We found it to be no matter where we went, we had people um, greeting us from 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 all different racial backgrounds. We had people. Uh, we met a lot of our viewers um, from different backgrounds, from different uh, areas and origins. We met people who moved here from outside of the country. We met. Uh, we were in what was it Branson, Missouri? We were. Um, we were in Branson, Missouri for, I think, four days, and we met a, uh, a pastor and his wife with two wonderful little kids. My kids spent the whole time playing with them. Um, you know, 30 years ago, it would be a big deal. They were an interracial couple, and it was, you know, but none of us, we didn't care, right? I mean, like, nobody was like, well, there's a, a, an African-American man and a, and a Caucasian woman. Oh, boy, this is going to be a problem. <clears throat> nobody, nobody cared, and we were in Missouri, and my kids were playing with his kids and we were talking and he's, you know, he's a pastor and his wife uh, were there on vacation. And when we talked, it was interesting because he said, um, he had mentioned uh, in, in passing just about meeting people on the road and how friendly it's been. And I said, you know, I've seen the same thing. It's just one of those things that you, you don't know it until you experience it. You know, and like you said, there's a, a, a connotation that comes with being uh, an RVer or a, um, a nomad in Europe where, you know, it's not as common. And so maybe in some areas it seems like, oh, you must be poor if you're living this way. And it's like, no, I, yeah. it, that same connotation happens here. If people see you with kids and they go, oh, you live in an RV. Oh, did you lose your job? Like, no, I, I, yeah. quit my, I quit my job and I wanted to go be rich. So that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. I mean, course and you you kind, of, you kind of feel like a local when you're you slow travel as a digital nomad and yeah. you can just change location from one day to another and you don't have to like pack your things you can just drive drive away and you can go to a place and you can pick up the language and you can also get into a good work routine uh, especially if it, it's a like a rainy week or so then of course there are many cons but the most beautiful thing is that wherever you go, you feel like a local. And this is one of my favorite bits. Um, it's something 
incredible. It's a credible feeling. It's, it's hard describing it. So it's something you need to experience uh, for yourself. If, if, if you're listening to this and you and you live in a brick house, <laughs> try it out. Like travel, travel for a long time, and you don't have to buy an RV or like move into an RV full time. You can just travel. Everything you own, put it in a bag, and that's it for two months. Um, it's easy to make friends. It is because if you if you know you something because you're open-minded. Everything that happens is. Um, I think a lot of good things happen to me when I when I ha- when I'm bored because I I can feel that I can hear my inner voice and I can listen to my inner voice and um, I think I think I'm spiritual, but I I also think that you should leave everything that gives you comfort and try to find something else. Try to be a rebel and try to see like work is not everything. Your job is not that important. Your career is not that important because the, the minute you die, they will just replace you with another chimp, chimp in a suit and that's it. So that that's the depressing truth. <laughs> so it if is. you realize this, then it's, it's okay. You, you can see, you can look at that and become depressed or like, can be a wake-up call that you are not that important to this uh, company or the corporate ladder is not your god. Right. Your your inner voice should be your god. And that's something too, because I think I think as we in in again I can't speak to what it's like in Europe because I've never been there and I haven't lived it or experienced it. But I know in the U.S., you know, it's we get so beholden to this idea that we're supposed to grow up. Um, be contained within this system that's been created. You go to college, you get a job, you work that job for what used to be, you know, 20 or 30 years, you retire and you try to find happiness in retirement. And now Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you, you grow up, you go to college, you get a job and you work multiple jobs in your life because nobody seems to stay at jobs for a long time anymore. And then you, you try to put away for the future and you wait until retirement and then you go, okay, now do I have time to live? Because now you work 30, 40, 45 years before you retire. Um, and then what is what is retirement? Like I, I, so many people I know that are retired that actually have to work jobs because they can't afford to live because they've created such an expensive lifestyle in their work years that now they feel stuck in retirement or they're not healthy enough in retirement to do anything. You know, and that was yeah. something that was, we purposely went, okay, wait a minute, we can't. I don't want to work till I'm 60 or 65, retire and go, now I'm too unhealthy um, (laughs) to travel and I've given up everything. Oh, this is so depressing. Yeah. Right? (laughs) uh. It it is. But but here, then we have this opportunity when our eyes get open to realizing that that's not the way life has to be. Yeah. You know, we don't have to live within. I saw, I do remember watching one of your videos. Um. Oh, maybe it was the one you did uh, about why you quit your nine to five job. And you talked about, you know, living within a box and people say, well, think outside the box, but they really want you to just think with outside, outside of the box, inside the other box. Mm. And the truth is that, that as much as we try to think we're living outside of the box or we're thinking outside of the box in, in our general lives, we still tend to stick to what is considered normal because not so much that we don't want to explore something new. It's that we don't want to be judged by the people we know. Right. Cause yeah. it's, you know, well, they're, if I do this, they're going to think I'm homeless if I'm living in an RV 
Well, who cares what they think? Are you homeless? No, you have yeah. a home. It's just on wheels. So in, um, in your experience of traveling uh, around Europe and that, what, um, obviously meeting people and, and meeting new friends is, is definitely an awesome thing, but what, what perspective did you gain the most with traveling, uh, with your travels so far, uh, that maybe isn't commonly known in the world or, uh, isn't, uh, isn't in the media? Like what, what do you think you've gained the most in? Well, I've become open-minded. I, I realize now that I, I was very, in in many ways, like it's hard to say, but I was also racist in some ways, sexist in some way, and I still am in some ways, and I'm very aware of my thoughts and how the consequences of everything I do. And yeah, but I'm trying to be the best person I am. Um, what I, I learned that what other things about me is not none of my business now, but um, I'm trying to live my life, and it I, I did not mean it to be like unconventional, but it is. So, but it's. A, I think what I've learned about myself is that I have been listening to people too much, and what they think about me, their words, they are like bullets, and when they say their thoughts about my lifestyle i used to i used to try i, I don't I, I, I will never try to fit in again that's something it's, it's something bad i know that we are human beings we are very social we are trying to build ourselves tribes but it's something that uh, will rob you from your individual thoughts and your soul when you try to please people and th this is a disease trying to please people all the time so if you, if you are being your true self, then people will see that and you will attract people. And I, I, even if I disagree with people and if I know that they are authentic, then I will become their friend because I know that this person is true to, 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 yeah, to his or her truth. So, but Europe is, is very, every country is different from one another. Like I'm from Scandinavia and we are very individualistic and we are afraid of people more or less. Uh, not, not in Norway, but Swedes, they are very, we like our own apartments. We, li we like to hide. We like to work too much. If you go to Germany, it's more or less the opposite. You're more social and uh, France as well. Italy, they are more. Yeah, they care about their community a lot. So you can park your RV in a village and they will come up to you and start to talk to you. And the same thing in Portugal and in Spain. But you can see that in the southern parts of Europe, they are very friendly and they will take care of you. And I have not experienced like bad-minded people, uh, but in uh, northern Europe, we're very privileged and we're rich and we have everything. We're talking about economical growth and jobs and politics and our society is very strong so no one is left behind but in the end of the day more or less no one is happy so we have this uh, problem that we we worship our system so much so we, we 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 think that the system will solve all of our problems so if i am experiencing like problems i won't call my friend hal i'm going to call the system because the system is going to help me because I am alone. I'm a I'm an island. I should not bother Hal. I should call the system. So we are, like we are very 
it's it's depressing to see. I think you would like Sweden if you came here because you would see the good parts like the wood, our the nature, and our system is awesome. If you like, if you break your foot or something, the system will take care of you. But in the end of the day, that's the enemy as well because we love the system, we worship the system, and we worship the rules. And sometimes when you when I go to like when I'm on a bus, you can see literally. I'm not joking with you. If if there's 50 people on the bus, 48 of them will have their headphones on and stare in, in their phones. So you can't talk to anyone. If you talk to someone here in Sweden, then you are considered being like a psycho. Oh wow, you know, yep. I, I guess that's probably very similar to a lot of places here in the U.S. because people tend to do the same thing. It's, I mean, even at at uh, restaurants or. Um, on public transportation, you, people are in their phones with headphones on, and that's a very common sight here. Even just walking around town, um, you're, you know, if you're in one of the downtown cities, Phoenix, Los Angeles, um, New York, Chicago, it's a lot of people walking with headphones on, and they're it's their own world. It's they're isolated in their bubble, and that's where they want to stay. And yeah, talking to them, they they look at you like, okay, wait a minute, what does this person want? Why are they bothering me? It's a very outsiders type. Uh, perspective yeah and i think like radical individualism uh is destroying our moral compass hyper individualism is is actually dangerous for us we need each other but we also need to uh, like encourage people to be themselves not like don't don't push them to to the extreme hyper individualism is is dangerous and it's also danger dangerous to be very like you said you're from Lebanon, and uh, and uh, I don't know if uh, collectivism brings happiness, but I think that the feeling that I have people that have my back that gives me brings me value to my life, and relationships is more important than a big TV and a beautiful apartment. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So my father's from Lebanon, and and you know, but being born in in Los Angeles at times probably felt a lot like Lebanon. <laughs> but it's it's. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been. To, well, you've never been to Los Angeles, but just look at some pictures. There's some some areas that probably look very similar to um, the Middle East. But it's it's interesting that you said that because with hyper individualism, we we see that I think in a in we see it in the U.S., but it comes in a in a maybe in a different form. I don't know what we see here is because all of our, like I think of Arizona specifically, uh, I've lived here the, the longest in my life and it's um, the communities are built. It's funny. They call them master plan communities, but ideally um, it's a lot of large houses on, on a pretty large lot comparatively for the world. Um, and you live there for 10 years and maybe meet one or two of your neighbors when there's, you know, a thousand houses in the neighborhood. Um, but you do, you take that very individual, like I, I go to work, I come home, I stay in my house. I don't see people. I don't talk to people. Public transportation in Arizona is used. I mean, we have a light rail, which is like a, um, a train that runs, um, above ground kind of through the city and it, it causes some traffic delays or whatever, but it's kind of an above ground train that runs through the city and some people take it, but the majority of traffic in, in Arizona is individuals in their cars. And so, if you get on the highways here, uh, you'll see thousands and thousands of vehicles driving, you know, with people driving to and from work with just one person in them. Yeah. Um, New York's a bit different. 
New York City with the subway, you know, thousands and thousands of people ride the subway, but it would be this, it's basically the same. It's a bunch of people going to and from work, isolated in their bubble. So instead of sitting in their own car on a highway, you know, they're sitting in their own little invisible bubble with their headphones on, on a subway, you know, Mm. they're all heading the same direction, but nobody talks, nobody interacts because it's, this is me and I'm going to do my thing. But I don't know what that hyper individualism looks like in the worst sense of it. I suppose, um, it, in, in a, in a, like far away perspective, it, it becomes that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not here to help anybody but myself. And yeah. I think it's interesting is, is our government in the, in the U S it started out, um, as a very community based government. Europe is now in a, in a very different position than the U S as far as government goes, um, with, you know, with the European union and that, but the U S was very community focused early on in its, in its creation you know, 300 years ago, it was very, uh, as it started to develop, it was, it was communities and villages, uh, and towns taking care of themselves. And as our government grew and then into the 1900s, when our government became very bureaucratic, right, it became kind of an overwhelming, um, arbiter of what is right and what is wrong and what is good is what is, who can help who and what regulations do we put on who, you know, if you're a doctor, but you're not licensed in the state, can you help this person? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. And it started to become this bigger monster. And so then it went away from, you know, the churches that used to do so much or the nonprofits that used to do so much. They started doing less because the government would step in and say, no, 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 you can't do that unless you have these forms or unless you've gone through this class. or, And so it became less of that. And then over time, then they go, well, nobody's helping. I guess we got to get this government to go bigger. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like maybe that's what Europe has done, too, is over time, the individuals stopped doing as much because the government would just step up and either overregulate it or take it over. And so then eventually it becomes, well, since nobody's going to help, I guess the government's going to have to get bigger to do it. And it kind of is a cycle that makes it worse and worse and worse, right? I mean, it, it's like you said, it's it's a great thing because if you break your foot or you break your ankle, it's going to be taken care of. But it also has become the thing where everybody everybody counts on it and focuses on it. So it's like, well, I don't I don't know that I need to help because, you know, I've got I've got Big Brother here to to take care of me. Yeah, and of course you need help. You need support. Mm-hmm. Of course, my brother is not a doctor. If I break my foot, I won't call him. But I need his like the emotional support of my brother. And we, especially Sweden. I don't know about the rest of the European countries, but I guess it's the same. But here in Sweden, we. Um, we love the American lifestyle. Uh, we don't eat your food, but because we're more healthy. But the American dream is also, in in a way, the Swedish dream, and it's becoming more and more materialistic. And I guess, I guess it was always a bit materialistic. But when I look at the U.S. today, I see, like, and the Sweden, I see nations obsessed with shopping and buying unnecessary products, uh, like so on. Un- so many unnecessary products. We don't even need them. iPhones, expensive car, designer bags. I don't know. The list is, is endless. And who pays the actual price for this? Is uh, always like poor people in uh, Bangladesh, Sh- Sri Lanka, China. And uh, so, yeah. But we want our cheap Chanel bags. And uh, somehow we think that this will make us happier. And that's problematic because that's not the case. We, we need to ask ourselves, like, what... What makes me happy? Um, in the end of the day, what makes me happy? Because this Chanel bag, I was happy for like two minutes. 
And then that was it. So now I want something new because the companies told me, uh, I watched TV and some ad told me that I will become happy if I open up my wallet and buy this. So if I don't know who I am, I, it's, always, it's always an ad that will tell you who you are. So try to listen to yourself. And so that's, that's what minimalism made. It's changed like my life in, in a fundamental way. So I, I can see things clear now. I can like avoid ads, avoid, I, I have like 150 or 200 things that I own today and I am perfectly happy. I, I don't want anything else. It's yeah. the opposite. I, I want to get rid of my stuff actually. You know, and that's, that's funny. We know a lot of our viewers out here in the U.S. who, when they, when they went from living in a big, we call them sticks and bricks house to RVing, <clears throat> they unloaded all their stuff into a storage unit. So they took all their materialistic goods because they're like, oh, I'm going to live a simpler lifestyle. And they rented a unit that they stored everything in and they left it there for a year or two. Mm. And it's like, well, now it's just now it's just collecting dust in a storage unit. How is that helping anything? But worse mm. off, you still own it all. So now you've spent thousands of dollars a year storing stuff you don't even use. Yeah, We downsized. Everything fits within our within our RV with the exception of, um, three things, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> there are three things that don't fit in an RV. Uh, I had a, a second vehicle, um, that, uh, <laughs> that wasn't yeah. going to travel with us. And it's, it's an 84 Pontiac Trans Am. So it's kind of a collectible and I've kept it as a classic car. But after one year of leaving it with my brother-in-law, I realized, you know what, this is stupid. Like, this is the one thing I was holding on to. And I was like, you know what? I, I really don't, I don't need this car. Like I like it. I enjoy it. Um, and maybe long-term it would be a good investment, but it's just collecting dust. Like I don't, I don't need it. So it's, yep. it's actually up for sale right now. Um, the, the second thing we left behind is I had a, 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 a very large library in my home and I love to read books. And, uh, because I love to read and I read my books over and over sometimes, I kept my collection of books. What I did was I put them all into boxes and I left them at my brother-in-law's house. And, um, we, we swapped them out. So I'll read a bunch. And then like, actually next week, I'm hoping to go down there and swap out all the books I currently have with ones that I want to read, uh, on the next go around. And then, you know, we'll do that again. Um, but if I could, if I could get all my books digitally without having to respend, you know, thousands of dollars, really, I would, I would, I would happily put them onto my tablet and just not, you know, and get rid of the books and not have them. Um, and, uh, what we did was now what, what doesn't fit in our RV, if it's not our, if it's not those books or that car, what doesn't fit in our RV doesn't go with us. We don't, you know, we don't need it. If it, if it puts us overweight in our RV for our, for our towing, or if it doesn't have a home in our RV, a place to be stored and, and kept and we don't use it, it's not staying, it's gone. You know, there's, I'm not going to rent a unit to, to hold on to things that can collect dust for the next three years. It's just, it's not sensible. It's silly. No. So, so kind of talking about, um, the, the, the minimalism and, and just kind of the way that we, we really idolize, uh, material goods. You know, you kind of mentioned like, you know, if you buy a Chanel handbag, um, but yep. then, then you see the new celebrity, you know, the hottest celebrity walking around with the newest bag. And they're like, oh, man, that's the one I really should have gotten. I got to go save up and get that one. We see that in the U.S. Matter of fact, I was at, um, 
I was at a store I do not like shopping at, and if anybody works at Walmart, my apologies, I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm not a fan of Walmart. I, I, I'm not a fan of Walmart. I'm not really even a fan of Amazon in the sense that I feel like it's, um, it's the push to get everybody everything at a cheap price. And I think that's really in the long run. I think that hurts, um, manufacturers. I think it hurts people, individuals who are, who are working. Um, and I was at Walmart yesterday. I had to stop. I was, I, I own a printing company. And uh, I was printing some signs for a, a friend's restaurant, and we were putting them up on the windows, and I needed to buy some dish soap because we use a, a mixture of dish soap and water to put these signs up. And um, I was walking through the store, and I heard this, overheard this conversation, and I couldn't help. Like, most of the time, I'm really good at biting my tongue and not saying anything, but I just couldn't help but say something here. And yeah. um, we were we were walk, I was walking through the store, and these two women were talking, and one said, well, I think I can get this cheaper over at the dollar store. Now, right next to Walmart, there's a little store called the dollar <laughs> store. <clears throat> and she said, I think I can get this cheaper at the dollar store. And the other woman said, it it it, it might be cheaper, but you get what you pay for. And I, I was walking by and I just, I looked, I said, I, I'm sorry, I have to make a comment here. And the lady kind of looked at me like, oh, what do you want? And I said, um, you're buying something at Walmart. You're getting what you pay for. Like, I'm not sure if you realize how cheap this is at Walmart. If you're going to get yeah. it cheaper, at, if you're going to get it cheaper anywhere than, you know, from Walmart, yes, it's going to be junk, but you're already buying the cheapest there is because they've driven the, the value down so low. And how do you think, you know, how do you think a company manufactures something that you can, you know, that you look at and you couldn't make it if you tried because you don't have the tools in your home to make it? It could be a dustpan, right? I don't have the, I don't have the equipment to manufacture or to to injection mold a dustpan to pick up dirt off my floor. Mm. And I want to go to the store and I want to buy it for $2. Like I don't even have the equipment to, to build it. Um, I mean, I can make one out of paper maybe. Um, it would last, you know, a couple of uses, but ultimately I don't have what it takes to build it, but I'm so, you know, we're so obsessed with getting it for the cheapest price that yep. we've really, we've hurt our, our brothers, our sisters and our neighbors because we're so concerned with getting the best price to me. When I see something that's small business or homemade, um, we have friend we have a friend that owns a a, a, a cookie company out in um, I think she's in Florida, and people ask her, well, how can you how can you charge twenty dollars for you know two dozen cookies? And she's like, well, or thirty dollars, whatever it is. Well, it's because they're hand you know they're all they're all baked at you know at home in small batches and hand decorated like it's time it's energy. Just because yeah. you can go to the grocery store and buy some junk cookies for $2 in a box doesn't mean they're good. And I think no. that's, we've, we've tried to replace quality with quantity, right? I don't have to have a quality shoe, but I want 40 pairs of shoes in my closet. Mm. And when they're no good, when they get a hole or when the sole wears out, I'll throw them away and I'll go buy another one. But, you know, there used to be a time in America and I'm sure maybe, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's very similar in Europe that when your shoes wore out, you went to the cobbler and you yep. had them put new soles on the bottom and you had them patched and fixed and clothes were the same way. All oh, this shirt's starting to, you know, get a hole. Oh, I'm going to go get it patched. Now it's just, oh, throw them away. Let's go get a new pair. Yeah, it's it's just a vicious, vicious cycle mm-hmm. of exploitation. It's, uh, it's like human costs. It comes with a human cost of our low price uh, products. And we, we need to remember that it's... It's not that Walmart sells. I don't want to offend your listeners if they if they work at Walmart, but I think 
Walmart is a part of uh, what's dangerous and what's uh, destroying our planet. It's it's not Walmart's fault, but it's it's our mentality. We want cheap stuff and uh, stuff that does not come with quality and unnecessary stuff. And I think I think like minimalism isn't all about ridding consumerism products and like clutter from your life, but it's about finding your own self. I I, I think I said this like ten times already, but it's about self and focusing on the things you love. It's it's about creating a lifestyle. Um, and I I don't know if materialism is a lifestyle. Um, I, I don't think that materialism is at the core of what makes me happy. And chances are that it isn't. And that boring office job that I used to have, it, that it wasn't, even though it, it sounded cool, like being a radio host. Uh, but... We can't see, we can't hear our inner voice because it's so, so, everything is like chaotic around us. Yeah, stores, ads, uh, hectic lifestyle, consumerism. And uh, yeah, we need to have some a cool prestigious jo job and we need to work a lot and we need to, yeah. So it's, of course, we, most people shop. So it means that if I want to become an adult, I should shop too, right? So we are just, as I said, we're chimps in suits. <laughs> we, I, I do what the person in front of me does because I want to fit in. So if you want to fit into our modern Western society, you need to get into consumerism. It's, uh, it's crazy because we, we think that we can find ourselves through consumerism. And that's not the truth because you know, you know who you are. You don't need to buy that shirt with a with a message or you don't need to need that watch or i don't know that that car just you know, you know who you are in your heart it's very easy yeah and i think it, it keeps us i mean the whole point of our podcast is it's it's about living your passion and mm. i don't think there's a bigger roadblock to living your passion than consumerism because it's at the heart of Everything we do, especially, and I think it, it, it's definitely true. I mean, like I said, I can only speak for the U.S., you know, being that I live here. Um, my experience has been here. But that it's, that is one of the, the biggest fundamental roadblocks in living your passion is the idea that if, if I go do this, it's not going to be accepted by these people or I'm not going to have these things that show my status. I refuse to buy a new car, right? I mean, like I, my truck is a 2003. It's 15 years old. Um, it's not perfect. I don't care. It, it does what I need it to do and it gets me where I need to go. And it's, it's large. It carries my whole family. That's what mattered to me. You know, now, of course I don't want something that's, you know, looks like it's falling apart only because I want to look at it and be pleased with it, which maybe in some ways materialistic, but I'm not going to go buy a new one just because there's a piece of paint shipping or this or that. It's as long as it's functional for me and it is, is what, the tool that we need, I'm going to use it. You know, it's, um, but it's interesting because I think when you look at what you've done in, in moving to a minimalist lifestyle and, and the, the traveling that you've done, um, it, it wasn't necessarily even about being consumer or minimalist. It was about following your, your heart and your instincts as to what would make, uh, your life and the life around you better, right? That, that you can go, and if you have, if you happen to run across somebody who needed help, you could help them. You could meet people. You could make new friends. 
you can explore the world and see the the better part of it i think that's uh yeah i think that's neat yeah yeah of course and like my process has been exciting and emotional and uh, because i i stretched my thoughts and uh, i did the forbidden things i i wish you know I, I i knew that i was going to live this life i used to work too much and i used to spend too much and i i hope to be rich so that one day i could like yeah do what i really wanted instead but now i realize that minimalism made me rich uh, because i have so much time i'm a millionaire actually so i have so my time is my most precious value and like selling everything, downsizing and sorting through everything I had, moving into an RV. Sounds like like this is. The, I heard this friend of mine saying that you choose you choose you choose to be poor, but that's not the truth because I have a lot of time. I can work out. I can read a book. I can spend time with my dog, and she she travels with me as well. And I can meet new friends. And I have time for everything now. I did not have the time because I felt uh, before because I felt that. I need to do this and yeah, I think it's a bit unnecessary, but you need to do it. And I, I need to do this and yeah, it's unnecessary, but I need to do it. So I was, I was, it was a prison and I chose to buy a cage in this freedom prison. So why did I do that? So yeah, but I, I got a bit obsessed in the beginning, like militant minimalist because too many people was questioning me about becoming minimalist. So uh, yeah, questions like, why do you have this and that? And you're not a real minimalist because you have more socks than me and etc. So it's, I'm on my own journey. And it's, that's why, like, the minute I step out of my RV, I always park next to another RV. And I hope that they will also be more or less open-minded, full-time travelers. Because you can just knock at their door, bring a couple of beers and bring a chair or two and ask them, like, do you want to hang out? And that's it. That, that's how we did it when we was kids. And then we, when we become, became adults, this was very hard, meeting new people. But it's very easy. Like We were awesome when we were children. So what happened to us? Yeah, we became adults and we, yeah, we, we had, all of a sudden I, I had this big ego and I did not want to become, I don't want people to look at me as as I was an idiot or something. But children, they are like dogs, beautiful. Dogs and children, they are beautiful. They don't have this huge ego or huge uh, weird picture of themselves that that's actually uh, makes everything different for themselves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very privileged today, I will say. No, you know, I think that's awesome. I think that's a great perspective because I see it in my kids when we travel with four children. And I get to see them do just that. They reach out to when we hit a when we hit a new uh, new RV park or a new community that we're in. As soon as they see another kid, they're just like, "Can I go play?" I'm like, you know. And my instincts say to say, "Well, you don't even know them, but they don't care." It's an it's another person to know and and meet. And you know, I I it it scares me a little bit that my kids don't seem to know any strangers, but I love the fact that my kids don't look at people as well you're a stranger and i don't know who you are so i'm not going to even acknowledge you um they they really tend to care more than i think uh we even realize like and that's a beautiful thing it is they're so innocent and they're so pure and 
they I think yeah they they, they value themselves more than material things and then when they become teenagers they try to act like adults and that's when the materialism is becoming uh, it's, it's a disease from there and yeah and all of a sudden you know we are not guaranteed another week month or year to start pursuing our dreams and we are we live like 70 or 80 or 90 years uh, if we are privileged enough to die by age and this yeah it's, it's a, that, that's a privilege so why do i need to spend my time on bull so yeah um, the idea of being forced ahead to work for a set of number of hours in a specific place that's horrible it's and it's not because i'm lazy i'm not i'm actually i'm a very hard worker so um I, I, I find I left my job, so I find my work now. I'm trying to still trying to find it, and I know that my work is talking about minimalism, even if it's in broken English, <laughs> and veganism, animal rights, uh, compassion, kindness, and uh, of course I'm from Kurdistan. So what's the situation in Kurdistan? Like, this means something to me. This is this is something that brings joy to my life, and to to be able to be active. In a community like that, and instead of pursuing my own individual dreams, why should I? Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you then: when when you, because you you do you do uh, get this message out. I mean, you've got you have your um, you have your YouTube channel, you have an Instagram, you have Facebook, you're on Twitter. Um, you've done uh, you've got some podcast uh, minimalism minimalism on wheels. Um, yep. and, and you've done, uh, a Ted talk. How many Ted talks have you done? One, two, just one, just one. How many more do <laughs> yeah. you want to do? <laughs> yeah. It would be nice. I would like to do a Ted talk, uh, like Ted talk Uppsala. It's another city. Okay. And uh, yeah, I would like to be invited to like, we have one Ted experiment in Kurdistan. So it would be awesome doing it in Kurdish as well. Oh, nice. That would be, I, I I'm, I'm a big fan of the TED Talks. And, and again, it's one of those things where I don't always agree with the messages um, or or the, uh, the the delivery sometimes, but I, I love listening to people, even of different uh, beliefs, um, talk because I think the the best way to, to get to know um, ourselves is to understand other people better because yep. I think it, it gives us something to look at and, and not, not necessarily compare in a superficial sense, but when people who believe something differently than I believe talk and I listen, uh, it gives me a chance to either reevaluate what I believe or reinforce what I believe. Yeah. And, and that to me is good because anytime you have personal growth is good. And that's, I think that's a big part for us of living. Our passion is, is understanding ourselves better. Um, and, and what better way to, to do that, you know? So, I would, I love Ted talks. I think that was great. I, I did listen to yours. I thought it was wonderful. Thanks. Um, and with the, uh, with, with all the, the ways that you're getting messages out there, what, what is your hope for 2019? I mean, we're heading into a new year now. Um, what's your, what's your goal for 2019? Well, uh, the vegan movement in Sweden is, is growing fast. So mm-hmm. it, would, it would be nice if it would become like expand worldwide and uh, I know that you you said you were from LA, right? Yeah, my parents from yeah, we was born in LA. 
I think that's more or less the vegan capital of the states. It probably is. There's Hollywood is uh, Hollywood leads a lot of that in the U.S. and and so go, what they say is uh, uh, what is it um, the way was it the way the West goes so goes the country and it, it just tends to pick up in like Los <laughs> Angeles and head across the country. So yeah, okay. Well, for for this uh, year 2019, I would like to like still try to spread the message about veganism, minimalism. And this, uh, these, uh, they are connected in a, in a very weird way, but in, yeah, they're connected. It's, it's sometimes obvious for me and sometimes not, but it's about like being uh, aware of what you consume. Um, so minimalism, about veganism, the situation in the Middle East, uh, about ex- extremism. And um, of course, we're in Europe, so we have a lot of refugees and we should, we should fight for them. They should have their rights uh, to be here because we sold weapons to their countries, and this is the consequence. Especially Sweden, like we, uh, one of the backbone. There are a lot of countries here in Europe with with a strong um, uh, weapon export. Uh, to we're selling wars. We're financing them as well, and we should take our responsibility when they come here and. Take care of them because they're human beings. And the most precious thing in this world is, is actually uh, everything that's living and breathing, everything with, with feelings. So it doesn't matter if it's animals or if it's humans. Like We need to take care of everyone. We should not eat animals. We should not um, torture people. We should not kill people. We should take care of each other. So everything... Everything is connected, and and of course the climate, nature is going to hell, as as you know. Maybe this is something that we discuss a lot here in Sweden. So I'm trying to make people more aware of of what they consume. That that's like in the core of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's that's when you look at when you look back at 2018 and you're looking forward to 2019. You know, and you set those goals. I think that's a it's a noble thing. I think uh, anytime you can get information out to people is a is a great thing. And they know that um, here in the West things are seen a little bit differently. Um, we you know the the United States tend to tends to be more uh, independent in its in its way of dealing with world issues. Um, yep. Uh, and you know, being that my family's from Lebanon, I, I you know through family and and talking with relatives over the years, you know, we see all too often, uh, the, the ravages of war, um, Lebanon, not so much, you know, in the current days as it, as it was, you know, 20 years ago, but still there's, you know, quite a few issues that happen around there. And then in the U S of course we have a, um, we have our own refugee situation coming from the Southern, uh, countries, you know, South America, although that's not so much from war but maybe more from uh from poverty poverty dictatorships uh you know you look at countries like venezuela and you know there's a lot of um violence and, and poverty and it's and unfortunately it's it's kind of like um kind of like cold war russia where it's you know the 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 few at the top have all the power and the control and you know they're they're living very very well um but everybody else is is suffering and it's a it's a, it's a tragedy for sure um, so what is, I want to ask you this, what is the vegan community like, uh, in, in Europe here, here it can be, uh, well, the parts we see of it can be very militant. 
Um, you know, we, we have PETA over here. I don't know, I don't know how familiar you are with PETA. Yeah, um, I know. But PETA can get very, um, some of the, I won't say PETA can, but some of the people who um, follow PETA and that can, can get kind of militant. Like they'll go into restaurants and scream and shout at people and um, kind of do big, you know, big productions. What is yep. it like in Europe? Is it, is it, is it like that or is it more... Well, we have compassion. angry vegans here. Mm. We have angry vegans in Europe as well. So <laughs> vegans, you know, we are even I'm also angry vegan, but not I'm not active in any way. But I think to to be a vegan means that you need to be kind spreading the message. So if you if you really want to convince someone to like be vegan or eat vegan food, maybe buy them a burger or have a nice discussion about the environmental impacts or about animal suffering and that there's nothing uh, like we call it humane slaughter and that's a myth so i think we can be kind spreading the message and it's it's it's, a, it's hard because people are very conservative because we we think that we need meat and it's, that's not the truth i've been vegan now for and many of my friends as well i met Vegans that have been vegan for 30 years or so and feeling awesome. I, I have never had uh, this. Uh, sorry, I, maybe I sound fanatic now, no, but no, no, I, I've good. never felt this good. So it's not about, of course, if, if you feel good, then I can just tell you about the health perspectives. But most, I focus on like being kind to animals and uh, the environmental impacts. Um, so, of course, you have a lot of activism all over the world, Sweden as well. I think you call them vigils in in, uh, in English when you try to like occupy uh, a slaughterhouse. But yeah, I, I think ultimately vegans do not hold the the moral high ground over everyone else. But because we are all people and people are complex, so it's um, yeah. we have it's it's, it's still like. I think more or less 10% of uh, Sweden's nine points, I think we're 9.2 million people are vegan now. So it's a lot of things are happening here and also in, in, the, in Germany. Really? Yep. Wow. I, yeah. And again, I think that's part of the sheltered side of the U.S. is we don't always get to, because I think a lot of people in the U.S., we, we kind of look at Europe as the model of what we don't want to be. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> you know, not to, <laughs> like a lot of people look at, you know, look at Europe and go, well, I, I don't want that socialism over there. I don't, you know, yeah. and it's like, there's a lot of, there are a lot of good things and a lot of maybe negative or bad things, depending on your perspective. Um, mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not vegan. I'm not even vegetarian. I enjoy my vegetables and I enjoy, you know, growing our own food when we, when we're in a, we had our home here uh, before we, before we became nomads. Um, we had oh, a, nice. a tower garden and we had a garden and that, that we, we grow on the Maverick. The the children's home that we're currently uh, staying at and volunteering with that I used to work for um, is in the process right now of building a um, um, a greenhouse that's all aeroponic tower technology. It's uh, it's ninety percent less water on ninety percent wow. less land. All all control environmentally controlled in a in a greenhouse building, and the produce is all uh, grown with like a closed con- a closed water containment system. So mm. there's no no runoff, no evaporation. Um, I mean, it's very, very little water usage, really. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, because it takes uh, the water cycles through and it comes back around. 
um, yep. and, and it's nutrient enriched and it's all natural and, you know, it's all organic and there's no pesticides, no herbicides, no fungicides, um, which is a great thing. And, and this, this home is doing this so that, number one, they can grow uh, produce for the kitchen here that services the 120 plus, you know, residents, um, including the children, but also because it's an opportunity for the kids to learn how to grow. Um, it's a way to do it in a way that is environmentally friendly. Yep. Um, it's it's amazing. And remember, a good friend of mine, one of the first podcasts I did uh, this last year was with a, a man named Troy Albright who took his life savings. He's a pharmacist, a naturopathic uh, compounding pharmacist, and he took his life savings and built a greenhouse um, here in, in Mesa just down the road to do this exact same thing but to produce mm -hmm. food, good, nutritious, healthy produce for the community because – you know, in the U.S., we just had a big thing with romaine a couple of weeks ago where they had to, you know, they, they stopped the sale of all romaine lettuce in the United States for like two weeks because it got, you know, there was a bunch of romaine coming from somewhere that had, um, I don't know, E. coli or salmonella, one or the other, uh, I think it was E. coli, and uh, people were getting sick. Yeah. Well, a lot of that has to do with farming practices in, you know, in some of the other countries that were, you know, we're bringing a lot of produce out of uh, Mexico or even in, in California, there's been problems. So just yep. depending on where it comes from. So he spent his life savings building a, a wonderful greenhouse for, you know, this community out here to, you know, and of course he has to sell it because he has to fund it. You know, he has to sell the produce. But um, really, you, you can't go to the stores half the time and buy the organic stuff that's not as environmentally friendly. Um at the same price. And so, you know, I, I commend efforts like that, but we enjoyed growing our own. Um, all, all that to say that, you know, I'm not a, I'm like I said, I'm not a vegan, uh, but I do appreciate um, the, the health aspect of, of, you know, growing and eating um, produce foods. And then the other thing is we see in, in, in the U S and I'm sure European countries, you know, are, are very similar in certain ways, but we, um, man, we are not the epitome of health out here. We have we we have a multi multi billion dollar industry called the health yeah. industry, and it's so funny because maybe it was a quote I read um, from something you had up somewhere, and it was basically I think it was maybe it was the Dalai Lama, who who had um, I don't know just to paraphrase, but essentially we spend all of our money on things that make us unhealthy. Yeah. And then we spend the last of our money trying to do things to get healthy. And it's like, it's so, it's so silly. If we would just do the healthy things to start with, we could avoid a lot of the problems, you know, but it's, it's, you know, we don't complain over here that, um, you know, there was a, what was it? There was a campaign going on about women's clothing sizes over here a few years back and how unfair it was, um, the way that they labeled women's clothing is you got into the larger sizes. Now I'm a big guy. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, man, I'm not is it politically incorrect to say plus size. Yeah. Plus size. Um, listen, I'm just going to say I'm fat. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with being politically incorrect for myself, but it's one of those things where it's like, I look at myself and I go, man, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm not the epitome of health. Um, <clears throat> I can use the excuse that I had thyroid cancer, uh, but that was 10 years ago that that happened. So by now I should have been able to, now that it's been fixed, I should be able to lose the weight. And I just haven't, not all of it. Uh, I could be healthier, but I have to, I have to realize that for myself. 
and this idea that we look at health and go, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the perfect shape. So I think society needs to conform to my idea of health. And my idea of health is that I can be 250, 300, 350, 400, 450 pounds, whatever. And that's mm-hmm. my version of health. And it's like, well, that's, it's not health. If, if you have something that's perpetually making your life harder and harder to live, that's not a good thing. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's bad food. It doesn't matter if it's well. It's you know it's good for this is the food I should be eating. Well, yeah, but it's 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 made with so many chemicals and you know if you if you're eating produce that has been you know um, covered in all kinds of pesticides and herbicides, and then it's been used they use uh you know herbicidal growth hormones to make yeah. your tomatoes bigger you know and and then they pick them before they ripe. So then they, you know, they transport them and they use a gas to make them red. Like that's not healthy food. Like that's not yeah. healthy eating. You know, you have to get back to to almost a grow your own movement in the U.S. Because in the U.S. it's just too easy to find cheap food, and the cheapest food out here is the most unhealthy. So that's yeah. why we have fat poor people. Like we have some seriously fat poor people. And it's it's, it's a only- tragedy because we we know how to eat healthy but mm-hmm. we choose not to and healthy food is it's expensive today it's, it's it's a tragedy because and you know mind body the, the mind body connection and how how our emotions affect our health and the opposite it's um, it's really stunning when you when you when you look at it because people who have good emotional health are, are aware of their thoughts feelings and maybe you know, behaviors and we i think Everything is connected. When you eat healthy, you will think healthy. And when you think healthy, you will eat healthy. So everything is connected. But we have the industry. When I say the industry is like um, the food industry is is terrible. It's, uh, it's killing our planets in so many ways, especially how we breed animals and, and kill them yeah. uh, and, uh, and how that impacts climate and, and how it impacts our health. Because eggs is bad, uh, the cholesterol and meats and uh, you know we don't need that. Everything a plant-based uh, food diet is, according to so many serious organizations, and not like two, three doctors. You, you can just do your research online. If you're listening to this, it's it's proved to be the most healthiest diet. And if you want it to become a lifestyle, then like take a look at your jacket. It shouldn't be leather because that's that's not leather. It's it's the skin of a dead human, dead animal, and that animal had a personality. That animal used to be someone, so it's not a jacket. So we have other materials. We have options. That's the beautiful part about, like, when it comes to materialism. You have, you have, you can choose. You can choose not to buy that, and you can buy maybe the this product. It's more, uh, it's more morally, and and it's it's more. That did not, no one suffered for this product. So why shouldn't you choose this one? Well, I gotta tell you, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I almost, I don't want it to end. <laughs> well, I will tell you, this has been, it's been good because I don't do a lot of these conversations. More often than not, it's somebody who's living their passion. We wind up going through this back and forth, you know, interview, which is a good thing. I, I enjoy those. And, you know, but sometimes being able to sit down on a, on a real personal level and just kind of talk about, what people are doing. I think what you're doing is fantastic. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the U S doing it and they do it in different ways. We see it online, 
you know, you get some YouTubers who are traveling full time and it's all about move and explore and fast travel. And then when you get into the reality of it, when you do that, unless that's your career, right, which a lot of them have made it their career and they get paid yep. to do that, which is great. If that's what you want to do, then fine. But we learned uh, in our first year of travel that the fast travel thing was not for us because we missed so much. So this year we're going to take it a lot slower. We have goals of where we want to go, but we're going to mellow it out a bit and really just try and enjoy the people and the places um, where we are. And seeing you do that in, in Europe is really cool because I, I don't think, well, at least again, we're so sheltered off in, in the U S but um, seeing that in Europe that, you know, that there are people doing the same thing and, and, and hearing now that, you know, that certain countries it's more, more common I think that's neat because it, it really gives rise to the idea that we don't have to stick to this box that we've been raised and told we have to yep. live within. And and that right there is, you know, knowledge is freedom. And, under, is. and knowing that we don't have to, I mean, I, I look, college wasn't even a common thing 25 years ago. College was reserved for those who were going into a career that needed it. And now it seems like it's pushed on everybody. So you got, you know, people at 25 years old coming out of college with $100,000 in debt. And they have no choice but to work, to, to, you know, to spend the rest of their life paying off student loans. You know, but to see people take a, a break and go, wait a minute, I need to look at something different. And the more people that are out there putting out the message that life isn't what you're told it has to be. Life is what you make it. Um, yep. And if you've got a dream and a passion, something you're passionate about, obviously minimalism and veganism, then uh, you should get out there and share that message. Um, you know, and uh, I, I just like I said, I'm not I know I'm not a vegan. I'm not even a vegetarian. But I, I love the idea that people who believe in something um, are willing to live it. And uh, I think that's something that we just don't see enough of anymore is that authenticity. People talk, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And, um, I think that's what I love about your story is you're, you, you are living out exactly what you said you wanted to do and you're sharing that with the world. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Al. You're, you're, I, I appreciate that. You are very open-minded. You, you're telling your situation and you're very honest. And, you know, I, I know that it's, it's, it's very hard admitting things for and I, I did. I uh, I had this problem for so many years because I knew that I need to leave my job. It was this was poison for me, and I knew that what I put in my mouth that was like dead meat, and I avoid. I try and try not to think about it. And it it was it took so many years for me to open my mind. And you're I can hear that you're very open minded, and that's the best thing about like knowledge, internet. It's out there. We have helpful guides to overcome consumerism and everything that's bad for us. And, you know, just admit that it's possible and then everything will find motivation. And, you know, there are so many people, especially here in Europe, uh, uh, people like open-minded, traveling, digital nomads. <laughs> a lot of, uh, I think you're, you're, you have a lot of millennials uh, in their vans in U.S., but we yeah. have more or less RVs. <laughs> uh, you call them Class B, I think. Yeah, yeah, yours would be a Class B over here. Yep. We have we have different levels. Our Class A's are like the the flat nosed, all in one units um, yep. that are kind of <laughs> larger, you know, built on a truck chassis. And then the Class B is the van style, you know, Sprinters and Mercedes. Uh, and then the class C is like a van front end with more of the box back end. 
And then, of course, yep. travel trailers and fifth wheels. And But, you know, the sad thing is people here, we bought ours very inexpensively because we buy used and we never buy new and all that. But there are some motorhomes out here that we've met people on the road that spent $150,000, $200,000, $300,000. Wow. And it's like, well... <laughs> You know, it's not really, uh, that's definitely not, they didn't do it because they were being minimalistic. I can tell you that, you know, granite countertops and tile floors and it's, yeah, it's just, we, we literally wanted a clean, a clean home that fit all of our children and allowed us to travel without restriction. That was our goal. So as Beautiful. we found something in good shape that would last our family, that was our goal. So, yeah, <clears throat> well, very cool. I am so glad you joined us. Uh, I, I'm so glad we got this connection. And uh, I, I really, you know what, I, I really look forward to, to following up with you this year. I want to do another one of these and we'll follow up and see where you've been and see how things have gone. And, you know, sure. Uh, maybe yeah, I would love to maybe after your next Ted talk, cause you got, you'll have one coming soon. I know you will. <laughs> Ted, if you, you yeah. have Ted people, if you're listening, Ted people, you need to <laughs> give me a call. That's me right. Up. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me on the show. Hal. Thank you it's, so much. It's a beautiful talk. Thank you. You have a great day. All right, folks. Well, we appreciate you joining us for the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. You know, one of the interesting things about our podcast is the ability to meet people from all over the world and different perspectives and, and get to share their stories. And we are so excited to bring that to you today. So we hope you have a great day. And, uh, you know, don't forget to join us here on the next episode of the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. Thank you for joining us for the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, we definitely encourage you to come back for another one. Share with your friends our podcast. Help them to live their passion. And most importantly, stay in contact with us. Reach out to us. Use our website, www.goneen18.com. That's G-O-N-E-I-N-1-8.com. There's a contact form on there. You can send us questions that you might have or comments about the show. And you know what? You can also find all of our social media links there. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. They're all there for you to find. We hope you enjoy it. Check out the blog too while you're there. Why not? Hey, we'll see you next time.